Chapter 8, Dispute Resolution, Part 1, Basic Concepts. Contract Tip, How to Prevent Contract Disputes. There are no genies with wishes, no fairies with pixie dust, nor magicians who with spells that will prevent your company from facing contract disputes. Preventing contract disputes come down to these three things. There are no genies with wishes, fairies with pixie dust, or magicians with spells that will prevent your company from facing contract disputes. Preventing contract disputes comes down to these three things. 1. Clear communication. Communication throughout the relationship goes a long way toward preventing problems. That communication starts during negotiations and should continue through the term. Not having open channels to discuss issues leads to misunderstandings, which leads to frustration and hostility, which can lead to disputes. 2. Operational excellence. Your team's performance matters. I've seen over and over how poor execution causes problems. To prevent issues as a vendor or customer, focus on operational excellence, especially with your product engineering, and quality control teams. Three, do the right thing. If you screw up, fix it. If your vendors have been great and miss one deadline, cut them some slack. If you cause your customer a problem, make it right. When you're a good partner to your contract counterparties, they are more likely to be good partners to you. Contract tip. Why some choose litigation over arbitration. In each contract, we must decide whether to use litigation or arbitration for dispute resolution. I make sure to consult my litigators on which they prefer, but sometimes there are no litigators to ask. In those cases, I may have to make the call. Here are five reasons why some companies prefer litigation over arbitration. One, right to appeal. When the dispute has a single arbitrator, you are stuck if that person makes a faulty decision, subject to some rare exceptions. With litigation, you can appeal decisions that deviate from the law. 2. Precedent setting. Some companies want a public precedent to use in future cases with similar circumstances. These public cases can serve as a warning to others that the company vigorously protects its rights. 3. Multiple parties. Courts may offer an easier process for adding multiple parties. Arbitration rules allow for parties other than the contract parties, but those third parties have to agree to use arbitration. 4. Counterpart avoiding publicity. If you are indifferent to publicity and your counterparty is worried about it, using litigation may offer you more leverage to settle before filing a suit. 5. Established process. Courts offer more consistency and predictability for how the rules of evidence and civil procedure are applied. Contract tip. Why some choose arbitration over litigation. Just as some companies prefer litigation, many companies decide arbitration is a better dispute resolution process for them. 
Here are the five most common reasons I have heard. One, expertise. With arbitration, we can choose, or at least have a say in, the arbitrator selected for the case. If that dispute involves complex technical points or commercial facts, we can use someone with that specific expertise. Two, global enforcement. I always prefer arbitration when the parties are from different countries. We can benefit from the New York Convention, which requires member countries to enforce foreign arbitration awards with some narrow limitations. Three, privacy. We have more control over confidentiality than we do with litigation. For some, you need to keep the details about the dispute away from the media, their customers, or their competitors. Four, flexibility. With arbitration, the parties can design an arbitration procedure that suits their needs. We can do this in the arbitration provision or during negotiations before and during the arbitration itself. Five, finality. The right to appeal arbitration decisions is minimal. So in most cases, both parties are stuck with the ruling and can't appeal, for better or for worse. Contract tip. Obligation language and dispute resolution provisions. If the contract parties agree to resolve their disputes by arbitration, courts in the U.S. will enforce that. The Federal Arbitration Act and related case law are clear on that point. But what if the language is ambiguous? Let's say your arbitration provision is written as, the parties will resolve all disputes arising from or relating to this agreement exclusively by arbitration. That leaves no doubt. The parties have clearly stated they will use arbitration. What if instead it said, the parties may resolve disputes arising from or relating to the agreement by arbitration or other methods? Will courts force the parties into arbitration based on this language? In the U.S., they may because of the judicial support of enforcement. But my view is why be vague when you can be precise? Because if you left it as permissive, are you trying to subtly reserve the right to compel your counterparty to go to court? If you include arbitration, stay away from the land of who knows. Be unequivocal about the obligation to resolve all disputes only by arbitration. Part 2. Early Stages of Disagreements Contract Tip Resolving Contract Disputes in the Real World Some law students might believe when, when they are in Some law students might believe that when there are commercial contract disputes, the businesses file for arbitration or litigation as specified in the contract. In my experience, that rarely happens. Almost all businesses will bend over backward, even accept some undeserved losses to resolve disputes through informal negotiations. Because of this truth, it is impossible. Because of this truth, it is improbable that an arbitrator or judge will ever read a contract in dispute. It is much more likely that the most critical people to read your disputed contract will be the senior executives for both parties. These executives will review the contract with their lawyers 
and evaluate whether they see a path to resolving the dispute without legal action. While I prepare contracts in case of litigation, of course, I don't think of the judges and arbitrators as the primary audience for my contracts that may end up in a dispute. I write my contracts more for the future business executives looking at it as a way out of a coming crisis. Contract tip, required negotiation periods. Mandated negotiation provisions say that the senior executives must meet during a set period to resolve any dispute. Neither party may file for litigation or arbitration until that period is complete. This approach may seem like a good idea. What could it be bad about negotiating before taking such a drastic step? I was trained long ago to delete these and still do when possible. Here's why. What if my client has a strategic need to sue ASAP? This need could be to get equitable relief or secure a preferred forum. Why reduce the client's options? Two, what if my client is using litigation as part of a business strategy? This need happens sometimes, and in these cases, there is no interest in resolving the issue. Three, if not one or two, you can bet the parties already tried to work it out and failed. Litigation and arbitration are their last resort. Why impose another discussion period on top of what they've already done? Contract tip. Include clear triggers and tiered ADR provisions. Some dispute resolution provisions are very straightforward. They require the parties to resolve all disputes through arbitration, period. But other provisions have multiple tiers of dispute resolution. The parties have to start with negotiations by the executives and then use mediation. Only after those tiers are completed may a party file for arbitration. The key question to address in these provisions is when each stage is satisfied. Without clear triggers, the parties have no guidelines of how long they need to use that step. Think about these kinds of questions. Does a single phone call count as the negotiation phase? How long do they need to spend pursuing mediation? The most common approach I've seen is using notice to set the baseline date. The contract directs a party to send a notice to the other demanding a senior executive review the dispute or mediation. Then the contract would give the parties a set number of days to resolve the dispute after that date using that method. Contract tip. Comply with contracts during an ongoing dispute. Always wear the white hat. That was the advice I learned as a young lawyer. In old movies, the cowboy with the white hat was the good guy. The one with the black hat was more sinister. In a dispute, we want the judge, jury, or arbitrator to perceive our client as the good one, an innocent victim of the other side's mistakes and bad acts. So what does that mean in practice? No nasty emails, pay undisputed fees, be ready to perform required tasks, hold up their side of the bargain. This advice may not apply to every situation. 
But absent other advice, I tell my clients not to start acting badly or blatantly breaching the agreement just because there is a dispute and they think the other side breached first. The reason, what if the client starts performing, relying on the other side's prior breach, but the decision maker disagrees and does not think the counterparty breached first? When the decision maker looks at the timeline, they may think your client was the one who breached first, giving the counterparty a right to damages. Play it safe and be nice. Contract tip. Be careful when discussing your performance problems. There's a risk whenever your team needs to talk to the other side about our own company's performance problems. Think about it. Your team will potentially admit everything that has gone wrong to a contract counterparty. Those discussions, especially in writing, may end up as exhibits if it ends in litigation. That's why I tell my teams not to talk to the other side about problems until after talking to me. They want to be transparent and tell the other side what's going on, but telling the counterparty too much, too soon, or in the wrong way can backfire. Here are three reasons why. One, it can and will be used against you. Whatever your team says about its inability to perform will be cited in the default notice and included as Exhibit A in any litigation or arbitration. Two, it may be considered an anticipatory repudiation. Anticipatory repudiation occurs when a party conveys that it won't perform its obligations under the contract. The counterparty may treat that as an immediate breach and terminate the agreement, even if no deadlines were missed. Three, you may be asked to provide adequate assurances. Under the Uniform Commercial Code, a party may require adequate assurances if it reasonably believes the other party cannot perform. Then, if the assurances are not adequate, that is a breach of the agreement and the requesting party can terminate. 